I'm not the house of cards that falls down easily. I'm strong enough to handle what you throw at me. Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show, after several hundred interviews, the format is this. Intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me and now with our network of podcasters. Just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every second. Hey everyone, this is Kristen Sinatra Walker, host of Mental Health News Radio. I don't know why I always say that. Y'all know who I am at this point. But anyway, I have a great guest that's coming on the show today, Victoria Ann Spadaccini. I said that right. I feel like I just ordered something really cool at the best awesome uh, Italian restaurant ever. But Victoria, thank you so much for coming on the show. And I hope that that means that Spadaccini is Italian. Yes, it is. Okay, good. good catch. Yeah, I was called spaghetti in high school, so I've heard all the pasta jokes. <laughs> exactly. I know. I know. <laughs> Horrible. I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> but that wasn't like a big fun. I just, I love that Spadaccini. It's like, oh, it reminds me of when I was in Florence for, for a month. Oh, Anyway, so how let's tell our listeners first a little bit about you, and then I want them to know how the heck you know about us. But first, about you. Sure. So I am 28 years old. I live in New York City. I am an avid mental health advocate. I am an ADHD life coach in the making, um, and I am also very passionate about psychology, which is kind of how I came upon this show. I mean, I went to college um, and I think a college in 2011, I graduated with a degree in applied psychology and marketing and recently, um, certified in positive psychology. But the way I came across this show was because I was looking at mental health radio a long time ago and I was, I was listening to your show actually. And, um, Hope Radio as well. What is it called? Hope Cafe? Cafe Hope? Oh, Matt. Yeah. My friend, Maddie. Yeah. Matt Kellifer. Yep. Yeah. He runs a great show too. And I just, I really connected. I really felt like it gave a voice to people like me who had um, a lot of obstacles and um, trials and tribulations that related to just like general well-being and depression and anxiety and addiction and things like that. And I think we all have either experienced or know somebody who's experienced that. So just yeah. to have somebody kind of be, as I was telling you, my Jiminy Cricket kind of along the way to like guide and support me was really nice. So I thought <laughs> I would uh, kind of see what was going on, see if I could be part of this and uh here I am. So thanks for here you are. Yeah. And you most likely you'll be co-hosting some shows with me and we're going to do all kinds of cool things together. So, so excited. 
So I watched your ADHD video that you did on YouTube. It was really, really good, full of empathy, all the buzzwords that we love here. And you mentioned Dr. Edward Hallowell, and he literally just came on like two weeks ago. So it was really cool to see him mentioned there. And I got a buzz after doing that interview with him because he was so positive about ADHD. So I felt like you were resonating that too in your video. Yeah, I really just wanted to help people see that there are, there are gifts, there are strengths in what you might perceive as weaknesses because ADHD is something that um, is often kind of put down as the punchline to a joke or just being mm -hmm. lazy or being disorganized or just kind of being that, that kid in class that always says random things. But also people with ADHD are super brilliant and they're super creative and they know how to connect the dots quickly and they're socially intelligent. Um, and I feel super immodest because I, I have ADHD, but it's, it's something that I, I feel like, you know, I've had to kind of think about in different ways. Okay, this is, this is something that is part of my life and I need to work with it. You know, it's kind of like, I always look at life as poker. So like you kind of get your hand and sometimes you get the ace card, you know, sometimes you get the joker card, but it's all about how you play, how you play your cards and, and then Ooh. the things that are dealt to you are kind of out of your control. So. You kind of I like play right. Very true. Very true. If you, I, we've talked so much lately uh, and we're going to be doing some shows about this and you're welcome to come on those too, but we're going to talk about how you kind of go from being in this like survivor mode in life and then making the choice because it is a choice to then become someone who thrives. And there are a lot of people that are born with parents who are thrivers. And so they learn you know, they have healthy parenting skills that they learn and then they, you know, have kids and those kids are thrivers and that's wonderful. And then there's a lot of us whose parents were just survivors. And then we're born into parents that just are surviving every day. And it's, that's the, uh, uh, what, I don't know what it's called in gambling language, a low hand deck. I probably just made something ridiculous <laughs> up, but it's like a, a bad deck of cards, quote unquote, you know, that it's harder to get through life when you are, have been raised in survival mode all the time, all the time. It's just about surviving. And mm -hmm. so when you, you make that choice, I'm going to now flip into being someone who thrives man, you can, it's like, you've got something because you have survived and you know, you've survived. You can take on anything. It's pretty, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. I think you kind of graduate from that survival level at some point. Like you're mm -hmm. right. You make a decision. You make a decision that I'm, I'm in control of my life. I'm responsible for everything that happens and I can change my story and I can make this no longer, you know, a tragedy, but like, right. you know, a tale of, of victory. And I think that it's hard, but having the right people around you helps and having um, something like this to listen to helps. I mean, just reminding yourself that what you're going through doesn't last forever and that other people have done it so you can do it too, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And having uh, friends that are all different ages, that's the thing that I love. I mean, I have mm. friends that are in their early teens all the way up into their 90s. And I love getting these different perspectives from people. It's just as important for me to get guidance and advice from 
a Dr. Paul Meyer, you know, who said, I'm not outing him. He said many times that he's in his seventies on, on our show. And then my friend, Jonathan, who's 23, what he goes through. I mean, it's really important not to age people out either because they're older or they're younger. Know a lot of these people because how people get through the day and of this human experience is fascinating. It's just fascinating. And, and there's all kinds of tips and tricks that we all carry around that, that could be helpful for other people that are struggling, but we don't think to share them. Yeah. Or, you know. I think that having people who are younger than you also helps just remind you that you can still have that sense of adventure and sense of fun in life, you know, even, even though um, that might've felt like it was a long time ago or, or you don't have that much energy to to do that. You still have it inside you that you can bring it out. You just need to have people that, that give you that kind of extra push. And then on the other side, having people older than you also allows you to look at life from the, you know, from a future lens. Like if you, if you work, someone told me if you work hard in your twenties, you'll have easy thirties. And so I'm trying to really keep that in mind because this person set himself up to do really well in his 30s. And it's because he worked incredibly hard from the straight out of college through through what he was doing now. So, yeah, I completely agree with that. I need to I need to widen my my social circle. I think that's a great piece of advice. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. I like uh, I like going to a gathering where there's every, you know, well, all the ages that are appropriate for the gathering are, are there. And just no one sees age, no one sees weight, no one sees sex. It's literally a meeting of the minds and wherever that person is at, at that, at that moment, they have something to say, you know, that, that connection that's beyond all of those things that we sort of turn into very human things, um, sexualizing people or diagnosing people or what have you. I think that's the greatest thing I've learned about doing this show is, you know, I've interviewed so many different people from so many different walks of life and with so many different diagnoses that you just change the way you look at the public in general. It's not Mm -hmm. such people in boxes. It's okay. This is the human experience. And uh, I don't have to get mad because I don't understand something that could be like that guy I had on my show who is actually schizophrenic and he struggles with that every day. And so we made sure we didn't speed up or slow down the way that he actually talked on a show on the show that we did because we wanted people to hear this is what his, ex- this is what he sounds like. And there's nothing to be afraid of. There's nothing to stigmatize here. You know what I mean? Yeah, in fact, you were honoring him and the way that his experience is and its truth, which I think is a really beautiful thing because sometimes people kind of shy away from how they think others might perceive them, but you celebrated it. You're like, this is who this person is, and it's great. Yeah, because we all have our quirks. <laughs> oh, yeah. I got plenty I of them. I know that one. Thanks <laughs> <laughs> so, for a great show. <laughs> yeah. uh, yes. That's the thing. Let's talk about that. When you're doing um, a show of some kind, since so many people are like on YouTube and they're on, oh my gosh, a million other places that I don't even know about. There's such an easy medium now to share yourself with the world. And what I appreciate are people like you who did that ADHD video. And that's just you sitting there. It's not a production piece perfectly coordinated between 
graphics that go back and forth. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it just was you. And mm -hmm. I love that because that is what helps people that are looking through the sea of what's out on the internet, which a lot of it is a persona. It's not actually for real. It's produced. And then they see something like that and they're like, that's a real person. Okay. Now I feel my humanity. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I feel like that was my intention was to like give people just something really raw and authentic and like straight from my heart that allowed them to, to feel less um, oppressed, I guess, in a way, because right. again, like just having, having any mental illness or disorder or cognitive disability kind of puts you in a, in a different realm than other people. And your experience is completely different. The way you perceive things is completely different. Um, so just like having that affirmation, I think using social media in a good way, using YouTube in, in a positive, empowering way is a great way to, for me to connect with people who have never met and, and might never meet. For example, I'm actually in this group, um, going back to what you said about like, just seeing people regardless of weight, like not sexualizing them, kind of just seeing them as the person they are in that moment. I made friends with a bunch of people in this group called ENFP, which is a certain personality type in the Myers-Briggs yeah. personality test. And long story short, we all, we all joined together in this group messenger for people who like to sing. Um, I like to sing. And so there were a bunch of other people who like to sing. And so we, we formed this great relationship where we're like video chatting every single night and we have, we're from all around the, the country. Um, someone's from Norway, actually, so internationally. And we just kind of share, like, our lives with each other, like, what's going on and, like, what we, what we like, what we think is funny, things that are annoying to us, you know, just quirky little things. But I feel like having, having somebody who can say, like, yes, I understand you and I, like, I feel what you're saying. Like, I, I sympathize with you and I, I share that experience. It, it kind of, it's very life affirming in a way. Like yes. you feel like everything that you're doing is, is purposeful and, and has meaning. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And it's so funny that you're an ENFP because I am too. <laughs> oh my God. Yay. I love that. That makes so much sense. I feel like that's a great, that's great news for me. Cause like you're, you're so amazing. Like I really, I mean, you, you've done so many amazing things and you add so much value to the world. And, and, you know, it's just, that's awesome. Cause that means that I have, I have something to strive towards. That's totally possible. NFPs are the world's greatest cheerleaders. I can tell you that right now. That's... Do you ever watch The Office? Yes. Yes. You know, Michael Scott, the, the main character, Steve Carell, he's supposedly an ENFP, his character. He just wants to love people to death, even if it's sometimes the, <laughs> the weird ways. But he, he gets it done at the end of the day, and everyone gets, feels happy around him. So <laughs> the Michael, we're the Michael Scotts of the world. Oh, that's funny. I'll have to rewatch it and see that. Uh, I, I, you know, you hear so much about INFJ. That's the rarest, and that's actually what my son is. And um, Oh, like, how no interesting, better. because he's a reaction to you. So I wonder if it has yeah. anything to do with with you know the chemi like the way you raised him maybe formed an INFJ I wouldn't be surprised we definitely have our family issues with how I raised him <laughs> I think we all do if it's not one thing it's your mother so. <laughs> exactly he seems to have yeah. run to the land of safety because he was raised in the land of 
entrepreneur, let's move a thousand times because I love moving. Let's start this company and feast or famine. And now he's like, no, I'm going to have a regular job. I'm not going to do any of that. That's stuff. amazing. And you're ridiculous mother. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but then his kids will probably be just like you. Cause there'll be a reaction to him and they'll be like, no, we're going to do a bunch of crazy things now. Isn't that funny how that works with your parents? Like you, you can't, I mean, some kids come out and they're little copies of their parents and that is not how I came out. And that's certainly not how my son came out. Yeah. I think that's like what we would all hope is that like, we just have little amazing, more amazing versions of us popping out. But (laughs) from what I've seen, I think it's completely unpredictable and never, no, no, no one's as perfect as you hope they're going to be. Oh. Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. So in the in the landscape of, you know, your 20s and you're you're closer to 30, what do you see out oh, there? Don't remind me. <laughs> I know, see it's so funny because at your age I I didn't really want to be 30 either, but now that I'm 48, I like can't wait for <laughs> 50. I'm so excited. Really? Oh, oh my that's gosh. Awesome. It's like uh I have never been someone who my best years were in high school or my best years were, you know, Uh it's always my best years are ahead. So, which is awesome. So Uh I look forward to like, wow, my God, 50, the things you don't have to think about anymore as a woman, especially if you don't want to, um, just all kinds of cool things about it. But when I was 28, I was like, Oh my God, 30. So, so. Yeah, it's like, I just want to hold on to my youth. Like, not that being mm-hmm. over 30 is not young, but like, I just have an excuse right now to kind of like, do really irrational things and like, you know, go farming in the middle of Southeast Asia if I want to, or I don't know. I mean, I could do that in my 30s, but I feel like it's more acceptable in your 20s. Right. So you know what? Screw it. I'll, I'll do those things in my 30s. And then we'll have an episode on it. <laughs> exactly. But you know what's cool? You can do that when you're really young, right? And you can also do that in your, when you're really, quote unquote, old, because you do tend to like, um, when you're young, you're you're without a lot of inhibitions because you're young. And then you have these middle uh-huh. years where all that stuff gets piled on you and you spend your, your years as you inch towards um, getting older getting rid of the stuff that's been piled on you while you're in this middle age so that you go back to that young spirit before all everything life got piled on you, you, you work your way towards that again. And then in your, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s, then you go, you know, to farm in the middle of Indonesia or whatever. <laughs> so it's right. How it works. It's it all comes full circle. Rough, man. They're really, that's why I'm excited about 50 because 30s and 40s for me were, oh, I mean, they weren't horrible. I'm not trying to scare you, but you learn so many just life lessons. Uh, yeah, I feel like that's the thick of life. 30s yes. and 40s. It is. It is. It's the, it is very much so. And so by the time you hit my age, you're like, Oh my God, get me out of here. <laughs> you're like, Get me to 50 already. I'm done with this 40 stuff. Yes, exactly. I get it. I'm a completely different person. I've evolved. I've lived a thousand lifetimes and I'm still very immature and have issues, but I at least learned something on the way. <laughs> so, 
talk to us. We were talking a little bit about like what makes it a pleasure for anyone to be around um, in life, in business, in personal life and ENFPs. I, I admit we have it easier because we really are the cheerleaders of the world. But there's mm-hmm. some good juice and some good meat in that around um, a business philosophy that I had that you picked up on, which is every. I wasn't the smartest consultant. I wasn't the most educated. I wasn't the whatever. Same thing with hosting a show. But I make people feel good. Like I love to make people feel good. And you do. And that makes people want to work with me, regardless of whether I'm not the smartest, the prettiest, the most educated, whatever. And that's good. That's, that's a very, it's a gift to be able to do that. It really, it really is. It takes honing because it just does. But, and you, you have that naturally too. It's just sort of a positive vibe and energy that goes out that sort of lets everybody around you kind of feel a little bit of zippity doodah when you're around. I think it's just enjoying seeing other people smile, like having like a mm-hmm. true, genuine love for like seeing people happy. Like, I think you have to have that innately and that, and then everything else will just be like easier. I mean, I think that, yeah, having a, like kind of your reward system set up so that like, for example, like seeing, seeing a homeless person on the subway and then you see someone give them a dollar, like that, I think that doesn't only make the homeless person happy, that makes everyone else on the subway smile because it it kind of proves to them that humanity is is still kind and you know so I guess coming back to what you were saying yeah I mean adding value to people's lives and having them associate happiness with your with your presence is a a very powerful thing and you're doing good you know it's goodwill in action you're doing good at the same time absolutely so I mean that was a great piece of advice that you were giving to me earlier I think that that's something that like people should learn just when they first start their careers, you know, or just going into the world or even as a child, like just help, you know, make people, make, make people happy. Don't be a people pleaser, but like, you know, be a pleasure to be around. Like you said, yes, exactly. you'll be like a magnet for happiness. Like you're going to attract that in your life inevitably. Very true. Very true. And let's talk about the other side of that. So there are a few people and there, I can count them on two hands that would not agree with my assessment of myself because I did not make them happy. (laughs) Okay. Because either in younger years, you know, there was a lot of stuff going on with me. We all have those things, but also when you say no and you put up a boundary with someone Mm. that's behaving in a way that's very unhealthy and toxic and you um, just don't want to be around that. And they get very angry about that. And sometimes your no has to get louder and louder and louder until they hear it. And I think for an ENFP, that is what I think what people don't realize that is so difficult for us to do, not because we're doormats, but because we really resonate with that happy, we're always looking for the good first Uh, all very altruistic, that kind of thing. And so for us to get to the place of being so angry, because that's so far from our natural resting Mm -hmm. state that we just have had it with somebody. I don't think people realize the journey that it takes for us to (laughs) get there is so, 
it is more than it is for other personality types out there because it's just not we don't get off on that at all at all yeah that's so funny that you bring that up because I I had there was there were some people who um who didn't who didn't like the ADHD video and so I you know that's I think that's inevitable whenever you put something out there people are going to have their own opinions on things for the most part I think it you know it resonated but it, it's just interesting like you have to focus on on the positive because I think right. like you said kind of getting that journey to getting angry does take a long time and <laughs> once you get there it's still it's not a fulfilling one like you don't feel gratified from from anything that might put somebody down because I think especially for ENFPs but for a lot of people I mean lifting someone up is like the life goal is like the mission, yes. the daily mission. So it's kind of it's it's kind of draining to to put people down or to to get really angry or to like have like a have a hard conversation with somebody that you know means no essentially. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that um, knowing that your natural resting state is this optimistic place and being able to uh, keep that open heart and that, oh, I'm so excited to meet you, or I'm so excited to do this, or I will try that, even though sometimes that's not been a great decision, or it's been someone who, because there are people, there really are people out there who totally enjoy conflict and drama. They really do. Oh, yeah. They feed mm -hmm. off, like we feed off of the happy brain chemicals. They really feed off of that drama, chaos, negativity, all that kind of stuff. And we could psychoanalyze why, you know, a thousand times, but that's where they're at. And um, it takes me less time to recover from those kind of interactions. But I will say this, I'm so like happy that's my natural resting state, I'd say, most of the time. And now, so when someone negative kind of pops into my experience, it's kind of funny because I grew up with those kind of people. So you'd think I'd be really used to it. But I'm so happy now and all the time I'm happy. So when it happens, I'm shocked. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, that was that was awful. What was that about? And other people are like, well, yeah, it was really bad. But, you know, that's like how a lot of people are. And I'm like, not in my world. <laughs> I know, I know no one likes commercials. But seriously, folks, without the help from these organizations, we could not stay on the air. Please give a shout out to zencharts.com. If you're a mental health or addiction treatment center, you'll want to use their EHR. It's gorgeous. And they're just good people. And also MyGenetics, M-Y-G-E-N-E-T-X.com, because knowing your genetic code empowers your mental health treatment. And lastly, CopeNotes.com. We love getting positive messages right to our phones every day from Johnny Crowder. He's the lead singer of Prison, a heavy metal band sharing their music about suicide prevention, addiction recovery, and mental health. See, that was painless. Support them as they support us. Back to the show. That's so interesting. Where do you think that's that like kind of resting state of happiness comes from? Man, you know, if we could figure that out, we would be gajillionaires. <laughs> um, we would, yes, that's a good point. <laughs> Everyone would be buying the book. 
drinking the pills. Yeah. I, Again, for, the t-shirt. I think exactly. I think it's innate. It's each person's journey. So for you, what, what would you say it is? Like, do you spend most of your time feeling hmm. pretty happy and fulfilled? I think that I tend to look for the, the good sides of everything and every situation. And even like the good sides of just something like looking at something physically, like I like, I really appreciate the beauty in a lot of things. And I think just my perception of things is focused on, on the nice, the niceties, you know? Um, So those are the things that come first and foremost to my mind. So I don't really ingest as much maybe of the negative things that exist, um, but are there, you know, that they're not on on my radar as much, but I do have my moments, of course, you know, I get sad or, you know, upset. And sometimes I have to kind of build myself back up and remind myself that like, you know, you kind of have to, lay you know your life brick by brick like not not nothing is gonna manifest itself in one day and so you know like you said it's a journey everyone has their own own struggles and experiences and it's okay to kind of feel bad feelings sometimes but always come back to that place of of gratitude and and of hope and of just sort of like a a quiet confidence in yourself and and also like a quiet confidence in in the universe taking care of you that everything will be okay like Mm -hmm. no matter what because in your life I mean you're still like you're still alive you're doing okay like you know you have everything that you generally need otherwise you wouldn't be sitting here in this spot so just to kind of bring it back to basics and say okay I'm I'm all in one piece and I'm still alive and that means that I, I've made it so far, you know, just to give yourself that one little congratulations on pat on the back that you did make it. Like, I think what what I'm noticing is that there's a lot of, in my generation, like a lot of um, pressure to be achieving mm-hmm. and Big like the need to kind of make sure that everybody knows that you're doing so well and that you've accomplished so much, you know, through social media. I mean, Right. It's, it's crazy just like you know having these like high expectations of yourself and then also you know worrying about what people think of you because it's not so much about what people think of you as what you think people think of you yes. you know because that can really warp your mind and that's something that can get you down so staying afloat and having good people around you really helps yeah that's why I like the that age thing sense. i I like the age thing too, because it's good for me to hear that's what I thought it was like for you know the twenties generation now with social media the way that it is and stuff, just that pressure pressure it feels like so much pressure to you know be a multimillionaire by the time you're thirty and yeah you know, exactly I feel a lot of ads for that, yeah, like yeah. Be- this 25-year-old punk in New York City is now a multi-billionaire. You can too. Click here. And we're all like, we can? Click. You know? <laughs> we all want that. Of course we all want that. Yeah, exactly. And then you learn. I mean, I know so many people that are multi-millionaires, and some of them are very happy people, but that's the 1% of all of the ones that hmm. I know. The rest of them are really struggling just like anybody else who isn't and some people that have that society would look at and say oh they're not successful and yet they are the happiest most peaceful people so it's all relative it really is um a million dollars well there's that 
saying that Jim Carrey did, that famous speech he did about, I wish everybody could have all the money in the world, become famous and be able to buy anything they want and realize that that is not where your happiness lies. Yep. I think what I'm starting to realize is that happiness it really it has everything to do with your mind and yes. your mind's just kind of where your, where your mind goes, the body follows and you know, you, you manifest your life through what you're thinking. Yep. So if you have like a happiness mindset, then you can create all of those things even without money. I mean, I've gone to so many third world countries where they're just like the kindest, sweetest yes. people who, who are, you know, seemingly at peace. Um, like you said, not to say that their life is harder or easier, but they just have a, they have a different mindset. Yeah. That's what I'll, that's what I like about, you know, pulling out of the kind of very westernized bubble and looking at the bigger global perspective, because yes, we have so much pressure on 20 year olds, on teenagers to, you know, success, 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 and somebody determined what success actually means. And that's just in this Western bubble and a few other countries. There's a whole ton of other countries on this planet where our version of success is nowhere even on their radar and they're yeah. happy. So it's kind of interesting like to waft in and out of that and not really attach yourself to it. I mean, I have friends that are celeb that are celebrities in Western society and they, um, you know, they struggle with this too. They're like, how am I going to keep up with all this stuff that's been blown up about me? You know, I post something dumb and I get, you know, 60,000 likes on it. What does that mean? What does that even mean? I, and they that's, feel that's emptier, a, yeah. or, you know. Social media can cause existential crises. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like, what is the purpose of all these likes? Do I, <laughs> does this make me happy? Or am I sure? <laughs> Exactly, exactly. I, I, I know you need it in order for your company to look good from the outside. I kind of look at it like this. It's a great place to do good things and to share a positive message. It's also a great place to be for real about life instead of putting out a bunch of fake stuff that people have to compare themselves against. So I like it for that. And it's also yeah. a place that you can achieve a certain level of likes and followers and whatever, so that your good work that you do is taken more seriously because of the following, but you're not, you're not invested in, in that machine. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, ultimately it's just an extension of our personalities and like an identity that we, that we create for ourselves in a different, a different portal, I suppose, a different place. Um, I like that you can, you can curate who you are um, in this, like, basically second dimension that's been created, which is the internet, you know, like you can yep. create a, another version of you that, that you, that you like the most, that, that you might even like more than you like yourself, you know, and like, it's, it's like, here's a big billboard of like, what I aspire to be in pictures. And then, you know, mm. boom, Instagram was born. Um, <laughs> right. It's, it's a great place to be authentic as well. I think yes. through conversation, especially about men mental health, mental illnesses and social justice and, and things that matter. I think people have more of a instantaneous voice that they can put out there and have and create discussions around 
important topics and people have the ability to learn things super quickly, like through Twitter in real time, like something just happened and they're going to be the first to know about it. Um, Mm -hmm. Or like, I mean, knowledge is just spread so, so quickly through social media. It's very empowering, but it can also be a way that people coddle themselves. And like, there's just maybe, I don't know if this is generational or if this is just a long, long, like a lifelong or like, you know, humanity long thing of just afraid of being lonely, the the fear of of loneliness. So constantly having this phone next to your bed or on the train or when you're with your friends kind of just like reminds you that like you're never going to be alone. And I don't know if that's healthy or not, but I think that is always going to be something that people are going to try to avoid even 2000 years from now. Yeah. You know what I find interesting uh, about that is, so I will have friends that are, around your age and they will, you know, call me wise Kristen. And I'm like, I don't know where you got that, <laughs> but okay. <laughs> wise elder Kristen. I've in my <laughs> heartbreak, I fell in love again. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, Oh, please. No, 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 no. You know, I, my heart is broken again, my this, my that. And I'm like, you know what? <laughs> you are constantly looking for, happiness and to have your needs fulfilled by somebody else. And that's the problem when, but Uh I'm so lonely. I'm so lonely. I'm like, you know what, when you are not lonely ever, when you're alone, then you will, if you want bump into that great person, that is the one that sticks around if that's what you want. And you don't have to. I heard that that. yesterday at the nail salon. That's so funny. You bring that up (laughs) because Somebody else was saying the exact same thing. It's like you, you always find that one, the right person. You're like twin flame. Just when you're learning how to be alone, then they'll pop up. Have you read that book? Um, the missing piece meets the big O by Shel Silverstein. Yes. Oh God. Yes. And grew up on, on that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's not a, a great book to like kind of remind you of, of, of the net, like the, the need to be whole before you find somebody. I mean, I guess just, just for the listener's sake, like the book basically has, this one little guy who is in the shape of a triangle and he's looking to complete, to complete somebody. He's the missing piece. So there's all these little guys who look like Pac-Men who are running around and some of them are too hungry and some of them look too hard and some of them have too many missing pieces. Um, and then he finally finds one that's completely a circle. And he's like, I think you're the one I've been looking for. And he's like, well, I'm not missing a piece. So the big one rolls away and then he's left all alone. And so he has to sit there all alone and he gets up and he gets back down. He falls. He gets up. He gets back down. And then eventually his corners start rounding and then he starts turning into um, a whole circle. And then he, he rolls over to the, to the, the ro- other circle, the, the whole piece, and they kind of just move on into life together. <laughs> um, and I think that's a really like great metaphor for basically the need to complete yourself and then find a partner who's also complete. And then you guys can be together. Because there's so many times that people, and I know myself, have, you know, kind of gone by that that romantic comedy, you know, oh, yeah. the, the poetic, uh, you complete me, and, and just merging, completely merging with somebody, rather than remembering to to complete yourself, you know? That you're an so, individual, yep. Yeah, yeah. And, they, and even side by side with that. That's great. If you if you want to partner with someone, that's fantastic. And also right next to that is it's just as wonderful if you don't want to do that. 
you don't have have that in order to be a happy, fulfilled person. And that's so against a lot of what, you know, our society tells you you've got, you're always looking for your twin flame or that missing piece or what have you. And it's like, well, okay, I can become that round hole, that wholeness. And Mm -hmm. if I bump into somebody and, that's my next experience. Great. And if I don't, I'm not missing something because I, I didn't. And that's a rough Great one. Point. That's a rough one for a lot of people because you're told constantly that that's what you should strive for. Um, to and make. also I think it's something, if you've seen it in your family as well, like if, if nobody really has, or not nobody, but I would say most families are, consisting of people who have partners. So it's kind of rare to see that one person who is thriving without one, you know, I guess, right. At least in my family, you know, so everybody and everyone in my family is married. Um, And so I I think it just, it kind of sets me up to think that that's sort of just the natural progression of life is just, you know, you, you eventually at a certain age, you find that person, you settle down, you get married, you have kids, you, you right. work a great career that, you know, pays your bills and that supports your family. And then you get old and then they go to college and then you die. <laughs> I know, um, but that's not the only story. So that's not the only narrative. More, exactly. There's so many more things that you could do. So many more things. And that's a great narrative. But how, yeah. when I think about just that narrative, I feel like I've got a noose around my neck because that's not the only narrative that's out there. There's so many others. There's a, you know, there's so many other colors in the rainbow than just that narrative that we're told is the way it's supposed to be. So, you know, it's, it's exciting. It's exciting when that's why I said I'm excited about a lot of the things that I don't have to deal with as a woman who's in my late forties. There are things that I don't really have to contend with now around sexualization and what I'm supposed to want at this stage in my life that I don't have to deal with that I had to deal with at younger ages. And I'm like, Oh, mm-hmm. thank God I'm done with that stuff. That's awesome. Right. Cause it frees you up. You're Move like, forward. cool. Because no one is looking. That's the interesting thing. No one is really looking at you. You think they are. Right. Um, that's such, it, that's an important one. I would highlight that and put that on my fridge <laughs> like, <laughs> to remind myself like that's, that's, it's true. I mean, people's judgment lasts all of one second. So That's like true. people aren't watching your every, every move. Nobody cares as much as you think they do about what you're doing, which is a yeah. great belief. Exactly. So you can go and be silly and be whatever it is you want to be, no matter how old you are. And, um, that's great. Good. Do it, do it with wild abandon. Um, paint the life, so like, you know, your life the way you want it to be. Yeah, I, th- I think that I, I mean, I really commend the people who are like, you know, senior citizens who decide they want to go into acting or, you mm-hmm. know, want to pick up a new instrument or, or want to travel the world or, you know, want to go to med school or just, you know, they want to completely turn their life around and do something different that maybe they wanted to do but never had the chance. And and, you know, they just do it. I think that you're right. People can can do whatever they want at any age. Yep. You can do it at 30. You can do it at 40. You can do it at 28. You can do it at 70. That's, <laughs> that's the great part about um, being human. This is your experience. And um, 
a lot of the chatter that goes on in our heads comes from family stuff, comes from society Mm -hmm. and clearing that stuff out and realizing that, you know, it's literally just system noise. That's all it is. You have more opportunity and room to live in that space of happiness. Right. And also like thinking that this might be our only shot. We don't really necessarily know exactly what's going to happen to us after this. I mean, we could potentially, I mean, there's so many, there's so many things that could happen, but if this is our only shot, then we might as well make the best of it. I mean, I know that sounds super cliche, but just we, when you look at like the huge big picture of like, of life and like purpose and meaning and like the possibility of not getting another chance, it's like, I want to do everything that I could possibly do to make this the most extraordinary existence that I, you know, that I can make it. Absolutely. So I think, you know, having, having the, we have a lot of freedom. We don't we have do. to necessarily choose anything we don't want to. Um, I think we have a lot more choices than we think. Yep. We can choose to be plugged in the, into the matrix or not. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to remember that though. Cause then there's, Oh, I got to pay this bill. That's right. We're back to this, this reality for a minute, but um, it's nice to visit there and it's nice to be around people that have done. It's nice for me to be around people who have done things that were seemingly unbelievable that they got things done or they um, achieved things in life that people told them they're crazy. They'll never make that happen. And they made it happen. Mm -hmm. I like being around people who have done that and have done that over and over and over again, because they just have a knowing Um, it's not really tangible. It's, it's very intangible, but there's a knowing and a wisdom about them that I'm like, okay, I like, I like just being around them and sort of soaking up that kind of energy because, um, that's really what we're all capable of. You know, I read this study that showed that the people that you love um, or spend a lot of time with, your brain frequencies synchronize. So you yeah. tend to have like the same thoughts at the same time, even sometimes a lot of sort of just like, I guess, similar wavelengths of, of thinking. I don't know. I, I, I think that true. if you hang out with, with these people that, that you say are kind of proving to you that life is bigger than, than our limitations, that you can start living that way too, just by being around them. Yep, absolutely. And the brainwave thing, yeah, it's a good reminder too. If you are around a lot of really negative people or you're around um, people that are very draining for you, um, you get to choose to change your scenery and you're not a bad person for switching out who you're hanging out with because that's how important it is to be very mindful about who you Mm -hmm. hang out with because you do you know synchronize with that other person and and you have a profound impact on who you're who's in your circle, your ever widening or ever oh, shrinking yeah. circle. You really do. You don't even realize how much of an impact um, that you have on, on people. So yeah, it's important to make those cuts, those very, very necessary cuts to keep your people around you that are feeding your soul instead of starving it. 
the mind is really sensitive. It's really, really, really sensitive. I think that you have to be able to treat it with love and care and respect. And, and by choosing the right people to hang out with, you're, you're respecting your mind. You're respecting yes. the way that you're, you're going to be thinking in the future and the thoughts that you're going to have and the life that you're going to ultimately create from those thoughts. You're right. The people who you spend time with are, are monumental to the rest of your life because yeah, they influence yeah. you whether or not you realize it. And it doesn't mean that you don't hang out with them. If someone's having a mental health issue and they're really down and they're very depressed, it doesn't mean that at all. Of course, you're there for someone. Mm -hmm. It's just um, have a lot to balance that out so that you can really be there for someone and get them through that time, you know, as much as you can help them through that time. Um, balance that energy out with, with other things so that you can maintain balance for your self-care. That's a good point. It's, it, you know, to be able to, to have the tools which are going to be the, what all the other things that balance you out will prepare you for those times when somebody is going through something or some sort of crisis or a situation where they need you. Because then you'll have all of the, the energy and the yes. ability and the strength to kind of pass that on, pass that positivity on to them give them, you know, lift, lift them up and give them the, the hope and be that person for them in their sphere, that positive person that can influence them in a way that gives them a better life, potentially. Absolutely. Ooh, perfect. Perfect. Well, this was really good, Victoria. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm glad you reached of out. Course. <laughs> Tell our listeners. Thank you. Can, yes, absolutely. Tell our listeners where they can find out more about you. Well, they can follow me on Twitter at Brain Meets Body or find me on Instagram, uh, Victoria underscore underscore euphoria. Or they can send me an email, um, Victoria Spadaccini, which is S-P-A-D-A-C-C-I-N-I at gmail.com. Um, or find me on Facebook, Victoria Ann. Nice. Awesome. All right. Well, and also thank you, of course, to our listeners for another edition of Mental Health News Radio. good intentions i heat up and act on my emotions thanks so much for listening to mental health news radio our podcast can be found on itunes stitcher and hundreds of other podcast apps or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com if you have a question or would like to be a guest become a podcaster on our network or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all we promised, we'd be cordial. Sometimes in you, I can find it. Good boy.